I get it. I get it. A lot of people have questions about what Dak Prescott's future looks like within the Dallas Cowboys. So tonight, we'll dive into the three most important things you need to know and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get it started. Here we go. All right. We changed it up. We started with the out row accidentally instead of the intro so we changed it up a little bit of a different vibe going on on tonight's show uh we're also doing the show later because man i was not gonna keep you from watching bills versus chips and it was such an insane game too so i'm glad that was the decision i'm glad we're here now uh to talk some cowboys football welcome everyone into the show i'm your host mauricio rodriguez streaming with you live every sunday through thursday night at 8 p.m. Central, tonight a little bit later, uh, again. Uh, but tonight, we'll talk about Dak Prescott's future with Dallas Cowboys. Specifically, we'll get into three things that you need to know about his future with the Cowboys and maybe even beyond. I have a note on, you know, I have a note on Dan Quinn and this round of the playoffs and one uh, something that frustrated me, to put it one way frustrated me a little bit uh, when watching Packers versus Niners. And to me, it kind of drove home the point that Quinn returning as defensive coordinator wouldn't be exactly the same, the, the, the best news ever for the Cowboys. So we'll get into that and maybe we'll close it out uh, with some thoughts on the divisional round, which was very fun, even if it didn't have the Cowboys on it, which is what we all would have wanted here on ADZ Sports Dallas primetime. But with all that being said, uh, let me say hi very quickly and then we'll get into the Dak Prescott discussion. What is up, Joey Bella? We've got Gregory. We've got Katharina. We've got Cam in here. Mark, Stevie Mac. Thank you, everyone. Anthony for joining the show. Bruce, who else do we have here? Uh, we've got a. Uh, who else? Who else? We've got Cam. I'm not sure if I already mentioned you, Cam. Sorry about that. Uh, but, anyways, Jimmy as well. Welcome everyone into the show. Uh, again, apologies for the late start. It, it was supposed to be one of those things where, you know, let's all watch the game and then we'll start the stream because I didn't want to. Uh, hey, I like primetime. I am proud of what we've got going on on primetime. I am proud of the, of the guest we're having tomorrow night. By the way, make sure you tune in. I'm proud about that one too. But I would not dare suggest that primetime is more important than Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes part seven. How heartbreaking was that for the Bills, man? How heartbreaking was that? Wide right? Are you kidding me? The franchise's biggest nightmare comes to life yet again. And Jim Nance says it on the broadcast. He actually utters the two words, wide right? That's insane, man. That's like having... The Cowboys play in Lambeau and CeeDee Lamb go up for the football and then have it be ruled a catch on fourth and one only for the officials to overturn it and say that it wasn't a catch. That's basically what happened there for the Bills. Uh, if you don't know, wide right is like one of the biggest, you know, obviously one of the biggest nightmares in, in Bills history. In January of 1991, they missed that what would have been a Super Bowl game winning field goal. But anyways... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's get started here with our Cowboys content, though, for now. Enough is enough. 
with the extracurricular content. So let's get to it, man. Three things that we need to know about Dak Prescott's future. The reason why, sorry, the reason why I'm doing this show is that a report came through on the weekend via NFL Network's Ian Rappaport saying that the Cowboys were still expected to reach a contract extension with Dak Prescott. And that kind of made some noise, but also it kind of didn't because I think that was something that we all basically knew already. But it's still, it raised some controversy with some people talking about how Dak Prescott should not be extended, especially not after what happened versus the Green Bay Packers in the wild card round. So tonight, I hope we maybe reach to some clarity as well as to some facts and we separate it with some opinion too. Because I think, I think, you know, whenever you talk about Dak Prescott, you're treading dangerous water because that's the most controversial player on, on the Dallas Cowboys. That is just like the deal with Dallas, obviously. And, and man, you cannot fully explain how polarizing Dak is without using 2023 as an example where you had a quarterback that was second-team All-Pro for the regular season, is likely going to be the runner-up to Lamar Jackson in the MVP voting when it's all said and done. Voting is already over. It's done after the regular season. We will learn how the ballots went later in, the, in, in 2024, basically before the Super Bowl, and likely Dak Prescott is going to be the runner-up to Lamar Jackson, who has basically guaranteed himself the MVP award after being named first team all pro this season. With that all with all that in mind, uh he sucked in the postseason. And, and that's what I mean with you cannot fully describe just how polarizing he is without using this season as an example, because for all the good he did in the regular season, he was a no-show for the postseason. Now I'm not saying he's the only guy that we should blame for that loss to the Packers. There's a lot that Mike McCarthy did wrong. There's a lot that Dan Quinn did wrong, that the defensive players did wrong, that the offensive players did wrong. But the truth is, uh, Dak Prescott was also one of them. And you don't want your QB to have that kind of a day, uh, especially because of what went wrong, especially in that game. So now that we've set the table, let's dive into it. And number one thing that you need to know about Dak Prescott and his future with the Cowboys. And now I'm going to go back to using this soundbite just because let's say it's part of the theme. Yeah, here we go. Number one thing, the extension is happening. You're not going to stop it. I'm not going to stop it. And we can set aside our opinion of Dak Prescott. The extension is going to take place. There are several reasons to believe this is the case. Number one, it's just a contractual situation in which the Cowboys are in with Dak. He's set to have a $60 million cap hit in 2024, as you probably know by now, because people have pointed it out uh, countless times. But the thing is, it's not even about salary cap management that he's going to be extended. Maybe it's part, you know, a small part, it's about that. But the Cowboys could also get through the 2024 season if they really wanted to play with Dak Prescott under this final contract year and be ready to blow it up next year. The thing is exactly that. The Cowboys don't really want to blow it up next year because 
if you go into 2025 and Dak Prescott hits free agency, which he has total and absolute control over because his contract has a no trade clause, which he would need to waive if you want him to, if you want to trade him to another team. And number two thing is he has a no tag clause. So you cannot franchise tag Dak Prescott anymore. So basically, if the Cowboys do not extend Dak Prescott in 2024, they would allow him to hit free agency in 2025. Now, as desperate as a portion of Cowboys nation is to move on from number four just for the sake of trying something new, the Cowboys are not going to do that. And I'll argue they shouldn't do that. But in order to not mix our opinions in just yet, let's talk about why Dallas would do it. If you don't extend Dak Prescott, you're going to let him go in exchange of nothing. And he is somebody that would get you significant trade compensation if you were to move him. So that's number one on the list. Number two on the list is that Dallas understands that you're not going to find someone better very easily. And when we look at Mike McCarthy, the decision to bring him back, the biggest reason why they brought him back is that they don't want to roll the dice that much. People like to talk and make a big deal out of how Jerry Jones just cares about the bottom line and he doesn't care about winning. Some people take this and you know give the wrong storyline and they suggest that it's better for Jerry Jones that his Cowboys lose. That is obviously untrue. You can say that he won't go the extra mile for Dallas to win ball games because the business is working and maybe that's fair. Some people are, you know, talking about crazy conspiracies about not giving CD ball CD Lamb the, the ball because they don't want to pay him a big contract. I would point towards the 2023 NFL season and argue that that doesn't fit what we saw. So I would dismiss that too personally, but I can understand where those arguments are coming from. And then there's a Des Bryant interview with Ryan Clark, blah, 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 right? However, I think the reality of the Jerry Jones situation is that it's not that he doesn't want to win, is that he doesn't want to risk the Cowboys being a garbage franchise. Now, I'm not talking about a garbage franchise that hasn't made the NFC Championship games uh, in over, you know, in almost 30 years. I'm talking about being four and third or and 13 for two consecutive years or something like that. That's what I believe the Cowboys are trying to avoid. As long as they are relevant and not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, they're going to want to live in that world. So they don't want to roll the dice in order to try to break through and finally take that next step if that means risking becoming an actual losing franchise. That's what I think is a problem with Jerry Jones, right? Uh, I think that's why Mike McCarthy is coming back. Because as much as we like to say, you know, 12 win regular seasons are not enough. They need to go up and win the Super Bowl. Jerry Jones might agree, but he also is very content with those 12 win seasons that they're having right now. So if that is a logic for coaching, then that is a logic for quarterbacks, right? And Dak Prescott is not going to go in free agency. Uh, they're not going to let him go just like that in order to try to find a mystery box and try to have somebody that is better than Dak Prescott is in the playoffs. Because basically what we're asking for at this point, what Cowboys fans are asking for at this point is a quarterback 
that is better than Dak Prescott in the postseason. And I don't believe there's too many of them right now. So now I'm going to mix in my opinion. I don't think that the Cowboys should let Dak Prescott go in free agency. I don't think they should trade him. I think realistically, he's their best shot at the position. Because otherwise, we would be talking about rolling the dice here and there and maybe risk going through what the Cowboys went briefly between Troy Aikman and Tony Romo. And the Cowboys were very lucky that that was a very short span, but there have been teams that have not been uh, nearly as lucky. So I do believe he's the best path moving forward. I do think it would be foolish optimism to think that the Cowboys should just trade for somebody or, or draft for a quarterback with the 24th overall pick or maybe sign a veteran washed free agent uh, that maybe can be clutch in the postseason, even though uh, it might be tough to win 12 wins in, in, in the division with him under center. So that's number one. Point number two that you should know about Dak Prescott yeah, here we go. is that his deal will be a big one. He will probably be at the top of the market when he does sign that deal. Now, you might wonder how the heck is that going to happen, right? Quickly, I will say, don't think about it as quarterback rankings because that's not what contract rankings are in the NFL. Because if you're talking about QB rankings and you're talking about how is Dak Prescott going to be the highest paid QB in the NFL, if he isn't the best QB in the NFL, that is not the point. The point is how much is a team going to be willing to pay for him if he does hit free agency? And if you think that somebody is not going to pay over $50 million for him, and Dak will make over $50 million per year uh, in average, which is just a number. There's a lot of details that go into a contract, and you know we're not going to go too deep into the waters here, but he is going to make over $50 million per year when that contract is finally signed. Uh, you might think that there's not a team that will try to do that, but let me run through a list here that I put together that is uh, teams that either have no solid plan at QV right now or that could be in the bubble of needing a quarterback. Let me run through the list, and you tell me if none of these teams is going to pay him, Dak Prescott, over $50 million if he was to hit free agency. The Chicago Bears, and they... You know, they're likely going to pick somebody at number one. The Washington Commanders, you're likely going to pick somebody at number two. Same maybe for the New England Patriots, who are currently also top five in the NFL draft. But then after that, like even with the Patriots, you're talking about you're not talking about Caleb Williams anymore. You're likely not talking about Drake May either. You're likely talking about LSU's Jaden Daniel, Heisman Trophy winner who is very good, do not get me wrong, but far from a guarantee, right? Anybody's not going to be a, a guarantee in the NFL draft because we've seen countless first overall draft picks, first round draft picks just fail in the NFL. And remember, that's fail in the terms of being like a franchise QB. The Cowboys are not looking for a franchise QB. They've got one. The Cowboys are looking, if they were actually looking, for somebody that is not only a franchise QB, but one that can elevate a bad or, or, or not great supporting cast in the playoffs, right? So 
we're just getting started. You can add Arizona to the list because Kyler Murray, you know, he might be good and everything. I, I low-key like Kyler Murray, but he doesn't fit that description of being better than, than Dak Prescott in the postseason, right? Uh, you've got the New York Giants could be looking for a QB. The Tennessee Titans, even with Will Levis, could be looking for an upgrade at a QB. You have the Atlanta Falcons. You have the New York Jets, who, although they have Aaron Rodgers, he might not play more than one season. So they could be in the market for a QB. The Minnesota Vikings, we don't know if they're going to pay Kirk Cousins again. Could be looking for a QB. Uh, could be looking for an upgrade. But then you've got the Broncos. You've got the Raiders. You've got the Saints. You've got the Seahawks even. Because we don't know what will happen with Geno Smith. And Geno is far from a guarantee too. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of those teams, at least one, would pay top dollar to have a quarterback of the caliber of Dak Prescott. So if we're having an intelligent, objective, unbiased conversation about Dak's future deal, that's all we have to know. Is there somebody out there that will pay him this kind of money? That is how prices are set in the free agency market. That is how prices are set in contract extensions. And that is why, number one thing that we should know is the contract is going to take place. It's going to happen. It's going to be signed. And number two, it's going to be at the top of the market in the NFL. Top of the market. Now, point number three, and this is one that most people will like. Most people will like this one. If you're against Dak Prescott. I do think that even though that contract extension gets signed, although I think he's going to become one of the highest paid QBs in the NFL again, I do think this won't be a no-strings-attached kind of deal. Now, I'm not talking about incentives or none of that. I'm talking about when Dak Prescott signed his contract in 2020, like the contract, the four-year deal, 2021, actually, right? Yeah, 2021. When he signed that deal, it was a guarantee that a second contract was going to, a second contract extension, basically a third contract since joining the Cowboys, uh, was going to happen. And that's the space we're living in right now. We're looking, we're, we're hoping for that second contract. We're expecting that second extension. I don't believe this extension is going to set up the Cowboys and Dak Prescott for a third one uh, necessarily down the road. Sure, if everything goes well, that's what would take place. But I think the Cowboys are going to be in a position where they're going to have an exit relatively in the midterm. Say they sign a four-year deal. I do think that by year three, they would be able to get out of it. And I would think, and I still think that, we're going to get into the situation where the Cowboys are taking constant darts at the quarterback position. One of them is Trey Lance. We'll talk about him a little bit. Uh, but I also expect the Cowboys to keep having this approach in the NFL draft where they're talking to QBs and they're signing undrafted QBs. They're trying to find somebody just like they found Tony Romo, just like they found Dak Prescott. And I do think the future is a little bit blurrier for Dak. I do think moving forward, the Cowboys are going to be trying to find something else. Not because they're trying to desperately replace Dak Prescott, but just they're going to be way more open to, hey, maybe we stumble upon something better. 
Not saying that's Lance. I'm not saying that somebody in the 2024 NFL draft, not even in the 2025 NFL draft, but I do think the Dallas front office is going to be much more open to, to thinking, hey, you know what? We might find somebody out there and we might start get getting ready for a potential out on Dak Prescott. And one of the reasons why I also say that is that right now, Dak Prescott, like 2024 season, Dak is going to be 31 years old. If you're talking about a four-year contract extension, you're talking about another deal maybe taking place when he's 35. And, you know, we're already at a whole different stage of Dak Prescott's career if we think ahead to how that will look like. So all I'm saying is, and I like Dak Prescott, and I do think he should be the Cowboys quarterback moving forward. I do think it's the best option. I also think postseason criticism is fair for him right now. Like, he does need to show something else next time that he's in the playoffs. But I also understand how hard it is finding a quarterback like this out there in the wild. You're not going to find it. It's, it's so tough to do it. You need to get lucky. And maybe the Cowboys do try to get lucky by throwing those darts moving forward. So to me, that is the three biggest things that we should know about Dak Prescott's future with the Cowboys. The extension, and this is the biggest takeaway, it is guaranteed, man. It's taking place. No one will be able to stop it. He's going to get paid top dollar. And we're going to have similar discussions later in the offseason where people are going to be pissed about it because they will keep thinking about QB contracts is sort of the, like these uh, QB rankings when they're not, they're just, they're just the market. It's how it works. There's a lot of demand for top tier QBs and there's very, very little supply. So little of it. You had teams, you have teams trading for Jimmy G. You have teams trading for Derek Carr. You have teams doing everything to get Russell Wilson, the washed up version, right? So, hey. It is what it is. You have team, you have the Washington Commanders still looking for a quarterback after they moved on from Kirk Cousins in 2018 because they decided he's good, but he's not that good for me to pay him tough money. And you cannot tell me that Washington wouldn't have been better off if they had had, uh, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins under center because they absolutely would have been better with Kirk Cousins at QB between 2019 and 2023. They would have been better. There's no denying any of that. So anyways, let's get to some of your comments here. And we have more to talk about. Uh, with the Trey Lance thing specifically, I'm not very high on Trey Lance. Because as I said earlier in, an, in a previous edition of Primetime, I don't remember exactly when was this. But if you're betting on like Trey Lance to start making a push for the quarterback job in Dallas, you're betting on somebody that really, and I mean this, could not see defenses right in the preseason last year. When they were playing vanilla coverages, when they were not trying to do a lot of disguising, he wasn't seeing it right. Top-tier talent, yes, that's why he was a top-three draft pick in the NFL draft in his year. Does he have the talent to maybe you know take the next step? Maybe, but there's no way you and I can know about it. Only the Cowboys can know about it. Uh, we would need to bet on that guy from going from, I cannot read a vanilla defense in August of 2023 
to being better than Dak Prescott in 2024, that's a huge jump. And I do think it's a, it's it's optimistic to think that it would be able to, to happen. I don't see it personally, but then again, top-tier talent. So maybe the Cowboys see what's up with him in the offseason. I, th I think you need to. If you traded a fourth-round draft pick away from him, uh, you better watch what he's got, right, in 2024. I also like the, the fact that they have been very patient with him, didn't even make him the backup. They left him as a third stringer in the depth chart. So we'll see how that looks like in 2024. Maybe this time he is the backup, and that could get interesting here and there. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I do think betting on Trey Lance, like as a fan, is basically being uh, wishful thinking. I do think it's wishful thinking to believe Trey Lance would be able to take that next step. You know what I don't love about Trey Lance at this point is that the last time that he played football, like, I mean, play, play football, in-game in experience, in-game reps, valuable game-type reps, the last time that he did it for a extended period of time was 2019. Because 2020, he didn't play college ball. 2021 NFL draft is the one that he gets drafted in. Doesn't, you know, he basically backs up Jimmy G. 2022 was finally going to be his year, gets injured. Then the Niners go to Jimmy G again, and then they go to Brock Purdy. And then 2023, he's supposed to battle it out with Brock Purdy. Doesn't do a lot for the job. Brock Purdy bits him out to the point where Kyle Tanahan is like, screw it, man. Let's end this right now. And he gets traded away to Dallas for a fourth round pick. And keep in mind, man, keep in mind, Trey Lance was like Shanahan's project. It, he was Shanahan's project and he decided to chip him away when he was supposed to battle Purdy for the starting job. And it's not like Purdy is Patrick Mahomes here. Is the kid exciting? Yeah, man. Like, I, I respect a, a lot what Brock Purdy has done for the Niners. And I do think he's done stuff that Jimmy G couldn't. That Trey Lance wasn't ne was never able to put together. Uh, so you got to respect Brock Purdy. But, man, he he's not like, he is not that irreplaceable guy. He's just not. Uh, so anyways, man. All right. Let me let me read some of your comments. I know I can get carried away. Uh, Mitesh says, Lance should be traded to McDonald's. He has Mo Claiborne reading ability. It was ugly. In the preseason, man, it really was ugly. Uh, Mark Aaron says, the 49ers try to get uh, Brady to play this year. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jerry, what an idiot. Says Cam. Jay Recruiter says, Niners didn't agree on the Lance pick. That's why they let him go. But then again, you know, then again, supposedly, John Lynch and Kyle Chanahan literally counted to three when they were going to draft a quarterback in the top three draft pick, and they both said Trey Lance's name out loud. Like, that's their version of the story, at least. So I'm not sure. Now, and maybe, maybe they disagreed with the Brock Purdy thing, but they still decided to move him away. Uh, wouldn't be the first organization to disagree on a player, but they don't actually go through a trade. But even if that was it, like they still disagreed on him, which is a big part of what we're talking about right now. Trey Lance was never supposed to be a guy that you were going to be disagreeing over, if that makes sense. 
However, man, I'm not against looking at him in the offseason, not in the sense that, hey, let's bench Dak Prescott in 2024. But again, based on what I just said about no strings attached and looking at other QBs while you move on with Dak. And while, yes, you extend Dak Prescott because you got to extend Dak Prescott. And point number one of this show was that is absolutely going to take place. Uh, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on a little bit here on the show now, though. Let's move on. How about this, And let's talk about this. Uh, quick notes. I have some quick notes on the divisional round, and we'll be reacting to this. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk some Cowboys football, but we're also going to tie it in a little bit to what we saw in the divisional round. And my big note here is that we've talked so much about Dan Queen and his woes. We've talked about how he's been one of the top defensive coordinators in the NFL since arriving in Dallas in 2021. But we've also talked about that late collapse, right? Where he struggled against Shanahan-esque offenses, when he struggled versus the run, when he's been maybe a little bit too stubborn here and there. And when he does it just, maybe he overdoes it like shifting to a zone defense entirely in a do-or-die football game versus the Green Bay Packers. One of the things that pained me, that hurt me when watching these weekend's games was obviously the Packers-Niners game. Because let me tell you this. Going into that game in the wild card round, we knew and we talked about it, about pressuring Jordan Love with four guys. We talked about how Jordan Love is savvy enough and good enough to where if you blitz him, he's going to make you pay. And LaFleur offenses has a lot of answers for pressure looks, unlike the Eagles, for example. So the Packers knew how to handle pressures. They knew how to handle blitzes. And we talked about how it was going to be key for Dallas to maybe tone it down a little bit in the blitz department, which goes against what they had been doing all year because the Cowboys with Dan Queen had been aggressive basically all year. So Dan Queen goes out there and he blitzes uh, Mr. Jordan Love. He blitzes him. I'll give you the exact number right now on eight of his 21 dropbacks, which, by the way, the fact that he had 21 dropbacks frustrates me so much. But 21 dropbacks, blitzed him eight times. That comes out to it 38%. I'm not doing the math right now. I already did it. Don't think I'm a human calculator because I'm not. Heck, I might even uh, screwed up uh, the eight, <laughs> 8 by 21. No, but it's 38%. Uh, 38% blitz rate, right? Fast forward. To the divisional round, you might have noticed if you watch this game, Jordan Love dropped back 35 times. The Niners blitzed him twice, all game long, twice. Two times, two blitzes in 35 dropbacks versus the Cowboys' eight blitzes in 21 dropbacks. Uh, for those of you wondering, that comes out at a... 5.7% blitz rate. 5.7% blitz rate versus 38% blitz rate from Dan Queen and the Cowboys. And boy, it worked. Jordan Love, sure, he made some plays, man. He he, he really did make some plays. Uh, fun watch, man, that kid. But he also 
struggled a lot with what the Niners showed him. There were some erratic plays from Jordan Love, including that one where he was full in Brett Favre, going right, throwing across his body to the left, being picked off. That was the ultimate Brett Favre clip. There's a, that side-by-side video they're showing everywhere. So he struggled with that. But man, the Niners were like, you know what? This guy, we shouldn't blitz him. We should adapt. We should completely go away from blitzing. And they did slow down the Packers. Was it a pretty game for the Niners? No, it was not. Uh, In fact, it was a very ugly first half. Not like the Cowboys' ugly first half against the Packers. Maybe not that bad. Uh, But it sure wasn't the prettiest of games for San Francisco. But still, it's that kind of stuff that really can frustrate you uh, when you're talking about a stubborn coach and then you see another team, another rival, by the way, another rival, and you go see them uh, pull off a successful game plan. I joked on Twitter how that game felt like the Daddy's Home movie where they've got Mark Wahlberg as the actual dad. And then Will Ferrell is the stepdad. You know, that's how I felt. Like Cowboys fans watching Niners versus Packers, that's how it felt. I I don't know if you guys went through this, but I sure did when I was like, I'm not even sure if I'm interested in any of these two teams winning the game. But I'm also, I'm not that interested in any of these two teams losing the game. Because they both own us. It's not like I'm going to have bragging rights one way or another. It's not like I'm going to be able to be petty at one of these fan bases one way or another. The one thing that I wanted to fire out to Twitter was, if the Niners had lost, the one thing that I wanted to fire out to Twitter was, and it was a petty tweet, it was maybe if the Niners had had since the first quarter to prepare, things would have been different. Because I don't know if you guys heard, but Kyle Shanahan told media that he started preparing for the Packers in the second quarter of the Cowboys-Packers game, where, hey, I cannot blame him. If one team is 27 nothing. I'm going to start preparing for for that team, right? Uh, But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I think that was my biggest takeaway from what we saw this weekend. I also look at what happened in the other two games, like like this game, San Francisco-Green Bay, and then you had Tampa versus Detroit. They were good games. They were exciting games. But you also saw them and you were like, damn it, this is what we meant when we talked all that about the NFC being wide open. It turned out to be true. It turned out to be so painfully true. Because the Packers were not unbeatable on Saturday. Neither were the Niners. Brock Purdy, man, respect for that final drive where he was locked in, ice cold, balled out to win the game. With that uh, with, with that uh, game-winning drive. But it was not a pretty game from Brock Purdy. We saw him make mistakes. We saw him have to play for behind and not be great. You could have beaten the Niners. Like, I'm not saying I would have picked the Cowboys to beat the Niners, but they weren't like that week five menace that the Cowboys were humiliated by in week five. They weren't. And you watch Tampa and Detroit, and you see Detroit also struggle against a Buccaneers team that is far from a juggernaut. And all I'm trying to say is like it, it it really is frustrating to think that Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Brock Purdy, and Jordan Love were the QBs in the divisional round, and the Cowboys wasted it all. Like 
they really, we thought this was the year where the NFC was going to be wide open. It was, and the Cowboys had nothing to show for it. I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm still coping with last week's loss, but how can you not be? Uh, So anyways, man, it really was frustrating. Two more notes. Ravens are legit, legit. Uh, The coordinators deserve a lot of praise. Uh, Mike McDonald on the defensive side of things. Ben Johnson on the offensive side of things. But the thing that I couldn't stop thinking about when I watched Ravens versus Texans was, sure, McDonald is great, but also those are some big-time players on that team. Like, everyone swarms to the football. Everyone is so intense. Everyone is so hard-hitting. Kyle Hamilton is an insane playmaker and one of my favorite NFL players by now. Patrick Quinn at linebacker is just otherworldly as well. That defensive line, man, Jadavon Clowney is legit. I don't know what year we are in in his career. He was drafted in 2014. I'm not about to math because I'm bad at math, but that guy maybe never lived up to the South Carolina hype, but that guy is good, good. Like he, he is now an established veteran with experience that can break a game. And on, on Saturday, he was on fire. And one more note, just from the last game, Chiefs versus Bills, man. A lot of people, every time that you start having, uh, <laughs> I just saw a tweet pop up on my timeline, which says, White Wright, Taylor's version, ouch. Ouch for the Bills. Uh, but anyways, a lot of people, whenever there's a new QB rivalry brewing in the NFL, people want to be like, oh, the next Brady Manning, the next Brady Manning, the next Brady Manning. Josh Allen, Mahomes is the next Brady Manning. Like, by now, you cannot deny it, right? They are four for three. They're they're four three in eight matchups, in seven matchups, excuse me. And the Bills are 0 and 3 in the playoffs. Man, this is Brady Manning in all of its glory, right? Nine years, just Katharina. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Let's see, man. Man, 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 man. Let's see some of your comments right now. Tommy915 says, nobody's worried about their stats or podcast shots fired. The toxicity is flowing through my bench right now, says TC915. I'm not entirely sure what that meant, uh, but he does say, Bo, this one's going to hurt for a while. Yep, it is. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. We had enough talent, says Martin, to go further. Just same old management. Yep, licking my wounds, says Gregory. Yep. I understand that one. Dano, I'm tired of this choking offense was God awful again when it matters. And you watched Lamar Jackson be very efficient. You watched, you know, Green Bay and San Francisco. It was ugly for the offenses, but they still had some big plays, and the Cowboys didn't have any of that. Tampa and Detroit, they showed up offensively, and, you know, oh, man, hated that ending for Baker Mayfield, by the way. Hated it. Uh, And then Chiefs-Buffalo, we already talked about it. Offenses were great on tonight's game. Man. Oh, TC915. Oh, I get it. I get it. In the Ravens defense mode. He he isn't cared about uh their stats. Yeah. All right. All right. I understand that. Cam says Dan Queen didn't do she man, who did other than Jake Ferguson? That's the thing, right? Jay Recruiter says they all have running games and the Cowboys do not. And that is that is a fun comment because because I'm, I'm in this space where I'm like, you know, passing offense over anything else. And I do think that is the way you want to build your team in the modern NFL. 
You want your passing offense to be the best it can be, and you want it to be your priority because you want to throw the ball on early downs. You want to be able to do this. You want to be able to be super efficient in order to get to a position where you are a high seed going into the playoffs. But once you're in the playoffs, it shouldn't surprise anybody that you need to be able to do everything. You need to be able to do everything because it's a game of matchups. It's not a game necessarily about who is the better team. It is a game of matchups. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes are two of the best QBs in the NFL, if not the best two QBs in the league. But we went into that one knowing that Buffalo needed to run the ball, and so did the Chiefs. And you had the the Bills in the game. It wasn't perfect, but they still had 4.7 yards per carry. They were trying to make you know, their living by running the ball. They were they had 124 rushing yards by the first half of the postseason game. So you got to be able to do everything, man. The Niners, they went at Green Bay and they tried to exploit Green Bay's struggles versus the run. The Cowboys tried to do the same, but they just were not able to because they don't run the ball well. So it's a fair comment from Jay. And I think we need to find like these balance where you're like, okay, optimize for passing offense, but also cannot have a faulty run game going into the playoffs. And I'm not talking about having a top five running offense. Just don't suck running the ball, right? It shouldn't be, uh, it isn't that high of of an ask. Uh, I'm not asking for a top five rushing offense. I'm talking for a decent rushing offense that if you stumble upon a defense that is poor against the run, you're able to do it. That if you're in a winning situation where you just got to take care of the lead, you're able to do it. Uh, but the Cowboys struggled versus the run, offensively and defensively. It wasn't great. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the show tonight. Uh, make sure you hit the like button for me if you enjoyed it. Ladies and gentlemen, that will be it for me tonight here on A to Z Sports Dallas Primetime. I let you go. Uh, make sure, make sure you tune in tomorrow night because we've got a guest coming on the show. I'm talking about Joseph Hoyt, who is a reporter for LoneStarLive.com. So we're going to have a Cowboys beat reporter here talking to uh, to us about the Cowboys, the Mike McCarthy decision. And I believe it's going to be a very insightful conversation. If you don't follow Joseph uh, yet, make sure you do it at Joe J. Hoyt. Uh, it's going to be a fun combo, man. And I'm looking forward to it tomorrow at 8 p.m. Central. With that all being said... Have a great night. Have a great Sunday night. And have a great start to the week for me. Enjoy the show. Uh, Thanks so much, man. See you tomorrow night. Uh, Bye-bye.